diverse poetry scene. Poets using their voices to entertain, to move, to take you on a journey. Connecting you to grassroots poetry and performance. Welcome to the Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. My name is Waffle Iyengar. 3CR broadcast from Wurundjeri land in the Kulin Nation, Stolen Land. We pay our respects to elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. On today's program, we are speaking to Izzy Roberts Orr. Izzy is a poet, writer, broadcaster and arts worker based on Tangerung country and is also a digital producer at Red Room Poetry. Today, she is here to talk about Poetry Month and all its various activities as hosted by Red Room Poetry. Welcome, Izzy. Thanks so much for having me. So you're here to talk about the Red Room Poetry's Poetry Month, obviously. Tell us a little bit about it. Indeed, and happy Poetry Month. I feel like it's uh, an auspicious occasion when August rolls around to spend the entire month celebrating, thinking about Australian poetry and poetry publishers across the month. There's a, such a thrill and this is the third year that Red Room Poetry has run Poetry Month. Uh, so it really feels like it's kind of, it knows what it is now. And hopefully a few other people know what it is as well. Um, but basically, yeah, we set it up as a way to celebrate poets um, and poetry across the continent. There are showcases in every state. We run an online writing competition. We publish a new poem for every day of the month across August. We have a podcast that we just launched this year as well, so you can listen in to those daily poems, uh, poem publications. Uh, we have ambassadors for poetry that are really trying to, I guess, kind of spread the word that poetry can be as many different forms and kind of contents as there are people. So I feel like there's a, a real thrust behind Poetry Month as well of trying to break through people's fear perhaps of poetry or sense that poetry is only for a certain type of person and really make it as accessible as possible and, and showcase the diversity of poetry that exists across this continent. And that's something I've been encountering every year since we set it up and constantly across the whole month is that people are really surprised at what poetry is and what it can be. Why do you think people are afraid of poetry? My current working theory is to do with uncertainty. And I think that, you know, poetry opens up a space for complexity. Uh, there's an element of mystery often in the best poems. And a poem can be opened with so many different keys. You know, it's there's not just one way to read a poem. And often with great poetry, you know, you come back to it and each time you come back to it, you might find a new resonance in a line or a different way to kind of get get that window into the poem and and what it might mean to you can change and shift over time. 
Uh, and I think that it's uncomfortable for people sometimes that often, you know, we kind of seek certainty and like a definitive answer to what a poem is about or what it's doing. It creates a lot of space for for questions and, and uncertainty is often the point of a poem. Uh, and so sitting in that unco- uncertainty, I think, is really uncomfortable for people. It's sort of a practice that you have to train yourself into to uh, want to sit in uncertainty and find richness and, and and joy and something interesting and curious within that. I also wonder if it's a little bit that we've been trained in school to think that there is one right answer when it comes to a poem instead of understanding that really we could just take it and make it our own. Absolutely. And I think it maybe also is to do with the techniques that are applied, like often the kind of specialised language that comes into talking about poetry, that can be a real turnoff for people. So feeling like you need to have a whole body of knowledge before you're able to access a poem, that you must know, you know, what a trucky is and, you know, how, how syllables all fall together in rhythm in order to understand it, that you have to know what a syncane is or you know, understand enjoyment or like all these words are things that you must know in order to experience a poem. Um, and I think, yeah, that that's a problem that there's, there's something beautiful in that specialized language. And I think that's, that's not at all to discredit the, the knowledge that goes into poems. But I think that is sometimes what turns people off too, that they, they feel like they must know the answer and understand that the form of a sustainer in order to you know, read poetry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm laughing, uh, dear listeners, because um, I've been in workshops with Izzy before, and um, she certainly <laughs> understands the specialized knowledge. Um, so we'll have to bring her back for another interview where she will explain the trochi and the syncane and the sestina and enjambment. <laughs> but today, let's talk about uh, red room poetry. Um, so throughout the month of uh, August, Red Room Poetry is sharing a poem every day um, through uh, YouTube, through Facebook, through Instagram. Are there any other channels? Uh, yeah, it's all housed on our website as well. So if you're not on social media, good on you. <laughs> and you can jump on the Red Room Poetry website uh, to read all of that, listen to the podcast and and see the, the videos for, for the poems that have videos as well. Speaking about those poems, we are going to, as part of um, today's interview, be sharing um, some of these poems. Um, Is there one in particular that stands out to you as speaking to that uncertainty? Oh, that is like such a hard choice to make because I feel like there are so many of the poems commissioned for this year. Uh, I was just reading Baroness South's commission, uh, which is an acrostic poem that was done in response to uh, a painting that's at the National Gallery of Australia called Shifting. Uh, That's one that I was looking at again this morning just to sit with it again. And that's a really beautiful poem in the sense of kind of, yeah, talking about country, talking about the colonial gaze in art, kind of goes on a whole journey in into the painting uh, within that ekphrasis. And, you know, that type of imaginative read on, on a way of engaging with what are like quite large ideas and questions, uh, I think that's the beauty of what a poem can do, that metaphor, you know, makes something real. Shifting. I wait to be welcomed. 
standing in front, silently trace country, linger in the margins, with trained eye, measure, assess, count. No signs. Wait. Disorientated, nature's magnetic forces askew to understand, connect. I step through the gilded frame, canvas stretches and feet slip across oil. On the other side, dark, temperature drops, a state of estivation, awake. Cool undercurrent off the high winds brings a smell of rain. Watch the storm move across the sky high enough to grasp the stars. From the valley floor, I hear a cry that has circled all day. Wheeler! Wheeler! Lone dingo howl pulls down the last of the light. A shiver runs down my spine like a spool losing its ribbon. I sit, hands rested on knees, fingers gently dip into country. In my mind's eye, I trace well-worn paths, Inhale the smoke of gum leaves and feed on the dark syrup of yams. Listen to women sing. I drink it all in like sweet water. As a storm is about to swallow us whole and I am lost to the mountains. Imprint granite tours with open palm and push back through the gilded frame. Standing in front, orientated, at ease and magnetic forces aligned. Whenever I try to listen to a new poem or read a new poem, uh, I try to just like, what what would I say, put my critical head to sleep on the first read, if that makes sense, and just pay attention to the cadence of language and the way that the sound falls and generally kind of my impressions or emotions will sort of spring out from that. Uh, and usually on that first read as well, you might find there's a particular phrase that just sticks right out. You know, it's it's really apparent or quite sharp against the rest of the language. And those are then the ones that I come back to on the second read uh, and start to pull apart why that might be. Stuart Barnes is the author of Like to the Lark, in which he reimagines the poetic form and fearlessly explores topics of illness, death, rape, remembrance, ecology, love and joy. And Glass Houses, which won the 2015 Arts Queensland Thomas Shapcott Poetry Prize, was commended for the 2016 Anne Elder Award and shortlisted for the 2017 Mary Gilmore Award. Hi, I'm Stu Barnes. Happy Poetry Month. I'm coming to you from Durhamble country. The poem I'm going to read is called Sea Grape, a Decaying, Flourishing Sestina. Sea Grape, a Decaying, Flourishing Sestina, with a nod to Lawrence Schimmel. An expanse of green, green hands, green being after close green being, turning up the heat. Green table in an evening out itself. Green jam of evening. Green grocer's wah-wahs. Swirling green curtains. I am a vase of trampolining green. An evergreen vampire, the greenest enjambment. But overseeing purple's plunge to the table is my number one purpose. 
The tabletops abounding oohs and ahs agitate adjacent teeing grounds, a soulless bowling green that mock the bouldering green of my botanic garden and table the schlock of ever-disagreeing fire-wielding thieves for whom being is bewildering as wild green. O machines unstable and ungreen. On the lagoon, turn tables of green circle. Yellow, pink and green notes surge moonwards, keying the sky's lyre, whose emceeing amazes the rarest white label, the moon. I drink in the in-between days, unpinning seasoned green hands, easing soft bronzes into being, casting classic sweet-scented stars at my pond's centre. The tableland's bees leaf through their timetable. The razzle-dazzle, the zreeing of chitin and hamuli cannot jam on the brakes. I give the green light. Soft bronzes pars greening. Streams of ivory lodestars preen at green fingertips. Green jam jars, green eyes squeak. Green babel fountain leaps where it pleases, turning out 100 green peafowl. I am being easy but daydreaming about aquamarine. So Izzy, can you explain to our listeners what a cystina is? Um, quietly, can you explain to me what a cystina is? So this is funny. I, I love that you said that I um, really know what I'm talking about. And then I said Chalky and I was like, I don't remember what that is. Like, I feel like I'm constantly looking up these forms and I'll that's the beauty though of the process of learning about poetry is that I'll encounter a word that I don't know and I'll look it up and I'll go okay sinking okay five okay you know and read about it and then three years later I'll have to do the same thing Uh, for anyone who's interested in those glossaries there's some really good ones on the Poetry Foundation website and the Academy of American Poets that have like the full range of all of these forms and you can go and you know link through to find examples of them and yeah, uh, Sestina, it's really about the form of like where the line endings go. So um, it's six stanzas with six lines and then a three-line envoy, I think is how you say it, at the end. And there's a certain pattern of repetition of the end words. So you have your six end words and they they kind of move around in a particular way. So it sounds just as mathematical as it is. <laughs> Uh, and having these repeating end words that go in a certain way really forces you to think about the line. So, for example, something like rain as an end word, just to pick a random one, might be a bit tricky because there's there's not that many meanings to rain, whereas if you have a word that has a bit more space for wordplay that maybe has multiple meanings, uh, there can be room there to sort of play with that. And I guess the reason... They're so interesting, these types of forms that are so, I really used to shy away from them and sort of, uh, I would say I hated them. That's the beginning of writing poetry, um, being so locked into something so tight felt really constricting and I wrote a lot more free verse and really played in that way. But I think after a point I started to see how constraint could be really useful and interesting to sort of push you further. And it doesn't always mean like often I'll write in a form. So like a Sestina, I've written one that I don't think is very successful and I can't quite ever get it to work, but it was fun to do. And then, you know, out of that might come another poem or you can break the form down or yeah, just to sort of push yourself as an exercise. It's quite fun. 
Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. Call 03-9419-8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You are tuned to 3CR Community Radio and the show Spoken Word with Waffle Iron Girl speaking to poet and digital producer at Red Room Poetry, Izzy Roberts Orr. And we're talking all things Poetry Month. Um, I'd like to ask about the poetry ambassadors. Uh, so some of us uh, zoomed into the National Poetry Month Gala uh, hosted by Benjamin Law and with a whole bunch of luminaries that you wouldn't necessarily expect to appear in a Poetry Month event, um, but expressing their sort of genuine love of poetry and reading some of their favorites. Can you tell us a little bit about what that's about, what the poetry ambassadors are for? Yeah, I think a big part of it is really about, uh, again, breaking down that idea that, you know, poetry is only for poets, (laughs) essentially, uh, and showcasing that there are so many readers of poetry as well. Like we need readers of poetry as much as we need writers of poetry. And there's such joy and pleasure in that. And I think, um, I mean, it's a gateway. Once you become a real reader of poetry, you're probably going to become a writer of it too. But um, yeah, it's really about trying to bring poetry to a wider audience and just show that the enjoyment and appreciation of poetry is something that is for everyone. And so a lot of those kind of, you know, amazing literary people like having Chika Ikogwe there, um, who is incredible. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with her, she's an amazing actor and she was in Heartbreak High and I love her. Um, you know, they're reading Maxine Beneva Clark's poetry, so amazing. You know, uh, Tony Burke, the Minister for the Arts, you know, talking about the fact that he reads a poem every day. I think it's wonderful having that kind of shift that, poetry isn't something that just belongs off to the side or in its own little realm. And whilst we have that recognition of all of the subcultures of poetry and that it is a special space and there is all of that knowledge, it's also wonderful to draw it into a space where people feel like they can be invited, even if they don't know what a sustina is yet. For me as a poet, that makes me feel very valued. (laughs) There were a lot of great events during the gala, but I think one of my favourites was when Benjamin Law was talking about him and his friends at the pub yelling lines of Sarah Hollenbach poetry at each other aggressively. Um, if there's one thing I would like to see more of in pubs all over Australia is people yelling lines of poetry at each other safely but aggressively. I love it. I love it. And I think that's it. Like maybe there is like a little bit of something under it too for me about uh, you know, I've been engaging with poetry for a long time and certainly when I was a teenager, it, it it wasn't cool. Like it wasn't seen as a cool thing. And I feel a little bit like like poetry is quite cool now. <laughs> and um, I, I feel like there's something too, like often poetry is a space where people are uh, more radical or disenfranchised, you know, and can be sidelined in big national conversation and so having that moment of attention and spotlight drawn to the breadth of who poets are who they can be um feels to me like there's an exciting undercurrent there too where I'm like yes all of these people have amazing and important things to say and I'm really glad that you're paying attention
With support from the Adez Foundation and Moonrise on the River, the Emerging Poets Residency supports emerging Australian poets with a paid stipend and creative residency on Ewan Country, Bermagui. Applications for the 2024 residency close at 5pm on Thursday 31st of August. Find out more at redroompoetry.org. Lulu Houdini was one of the inaugural recipients of the residency, completing her residency in June 2023. Here's Lulu reading her poem, Mangrove Girls. Potato scallops from the takeaway that always smells like a camel station, but that my sisters and I can't get enough of. Pimples show up on our faces because of it. I tell mum that there was a price increase and that's what's happened to the change. Her smiling, keeping the peace. Us, already dividing our chips between the five of us to our separate corners of the butcher's paper, careful not to cross over into each other's chip country. I'm there, I'm here, old time and new. I'm still just a little brown girl from the mangroves of North Mianjin, trying to find her way back to a home she's never lived in. I touch the brown sand there in Wara and ask my mum why my skin, like this sand, is in between colours. She tells me why and says the particles and I have a sameness too, but I feel closer to the neon green sea worms navigating their way through the mud canals. It looks so easy to do from up here. They're not eating people like we were. I watch my sisters and brother grow up here. Scooter races, beach cleans and night walks dodging cane toads. Grazed knees and bruised arms. Some from the bitumen, but mostly from each other. Our scars keep us from forgetting where we've been and who we belong to. To Wara and each other. Bawa means older sister in my great-great-grandmother's language, our old-time mother tongue. Bawa is also the word for backbone, strong for carrying little fellas. I carried them on my hip when they were small, hid my pencils from them when they were growing. I remind them to be respectful to elders now that they're big. I tell my mum to take them to Clever Doctor Man to get their ears checked because they don't seem to be working. Oh well, love them anyway. I try to shelter and encourage my young ones. I watch those mangrove girls grow up. The silver, Sandgate ocean still glitters the outline of our faces long after they replace all the cement that holds our names the expressionistic shapes of mangrove girls. Thank you for sharing those recordings with us to play and share with our listeners. Is there any other aspect of Poetry Month that you'd like to talk about? Uh, Well, I'm really excited about the Victorian Poetry Month Gala, which is... um, Uh, Tonight? Yeah, just like very generous poets, I think, that are are in that lineup. That was something when I was looking at all of their work, it's quite a diverse group of artists in terms of their practice and what they're interested in and how they write and uh, where they're at and, yeah, what their focus is. But that was something that just really kept on resonating and coming back to me was just the generosity that they all put both into their poetry and into their practice. A lot of them are 
also teachers or kind of have an engagement with other people's practices and supporting other artists. So yeah, come along to the Wheeler Center to see that brilliant lineup of poets tonight. Um, the full the full list of everyone that's appearing is is up on the website. Um, I won't just like list all of their names, but they're all incredible. Um, yeah, and I'm also really excited about the A Line in the Sand anthology that we've just launched at the start of this month. It's our 20th year of Red Room poetry. Uh, so that's a survey of about 80 of the something like 32,000 poems that Red Room's published in that 20-year history, um, many kind of educational and public poems as well as the commissioned works. Uh, yeah, and it's just it's a phenomenal collection. It's really broad and I think a really exciting view of what contemporary poetry is across this continent. Um, so that's another one. You'll be able to purchase a copy if you can come along to the Victorian Poetry Month Gala tonight um, or get one at your local bookstore or encourage your local library to get it into. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us uh, today, Izzy, and tell us about uh, Poetry Month 2023. Can you just tell us again how listeners can uh, reach out and engage with Poetry Month? Jump online at redroompoetry.org slash poetrymonth. Please come along to the Victorian Poetry Month gala tonight. I will be there. Say hello. <laughs> and, yeah, jump online and take part in the 30 and 30 writing competition, uh, listening to the podcast line break. And we also have, I think, a couple of spots left in a few of the workshops where we have some incredible international artists as well. Um, so if you can book a spot to one of those, if there's still a ticket left, I highly encourage coming along to those workshops on Zoom. Thank you, Izzy. Thank you. Happy Poetry Month. I'm Andrea Goldsmith, the partner of Dorothy Porter. These are three previously unpublished poems of hers, very typical of her work with the surface clarity and restraint over a swirl of feeling. Raving. In this new morning, it is love that makes me chatter. Moving light as a monkey, I'm giving, giving off a hectic joy that could only be love in all its raving generosity. Thank you, my darling, for exploding my heart. So when you leave me, mute and sober, once and for all, I will remember the talk and coffee and giddy peace of this morning. Reading between my lines. Please, darling, please read between my lines. I am a fabulous script, elephant head, spear point, sheaves of wheat and strange whatnot. I am all yours. Please. My lovely last chance girl, read between my lines. Silence. It is rare for me to write a poem in absolute silence. No music, no throttling heart. Just faint early birds in a grey early sky. I've given up the serpentine fight. No one won. And I'm flooded with peace and gratitude.
You have been listening to Spoken Word Show on 3CR Community Radio. We heard today from Izzy Roberts Orr. As always, a podcast of today's show is available from www.3cr.org.au slash spoken word. Please tune in every Thursday on 8.55am at 9 in the morning. And please do support 3CR by becoming a subscriber to the station. Help keep Grassroots Radio on the air.